Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning before we begin. Father, I just come to you right now in... Jesus' name, Father. Lord, you see me standing here, and in every way, Lord, I'm inadequate. And Father, I just ask right now, Father, I already sense your presence here. Lord, I just I know you're in this place strongly, Father. And I just ask right now that you send your anointing upon me, Father, that I can preach and say the things I ought to say, that I can speak boldly, Lord. And Lord, just I've asked that you touch me right now that I'd be able to speak and that this, my voice doesn't give out. I know you can do that. I know you have power over this thing. And I just ask in Jesus' name that you begin to prepare the hearts and minds of those that are here to receive this word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I titled this message, Fear the Lord. And what does it really mean to fear the Lord? You know, I was... I was always taught as a child that when the Bible talked about fearing God, that it meant it didn't really mean to fear Him, it meant to respect Him. But you know, I don't think that's true. And y'all can choose to disagree with me, but wait till after I'm through today and see what you have to say. I do believe that respect is a big part of that fear, but there is a reason to fear God. You know, when I was a kid, and I'm sure some of you may not be able to identify with this, but I had fear for my dad. It's not that I didn't love him. I loved him deeply, but I had fear for him. Why? Because I knew when I didn't do something right, I was going to get a spanking. And listen, when my dad spanked you, and I don't by any means want to disgrace his name, but it was borderline child abuse when you got a spanking from him. And, <laughs> I mean, many nights after receiving a spanking, I went to bed with his name on my rear end from the name that was on his belt. So, you know, there was a reason to fear my dad. But I want you all to understand today that that, that fear passed after I got to know my dad deeper. And when I begin to understand the reasons why I was getting these spankings, when I begin to gain respect for him then for other reasons besides physical fear. But you see, fear, just like this word told us, is the beginning of knowledge. Because of that fear I had for him, I knew where my boundaries were. I knew how I should behave and what I needed to do to avoid getting that spanking. But it's not until I got to know Him that I gained that respect that everybody tries to tell us is what this fear in the Bible is talking about. 
Now, how does that relate to how God deals with us? You see, there's a reason to fear God. And I mean that in the physical sense. You can find many instances in the Bible where God slew someone or was about to kill them because of their disobedience. I'm going to tell you a few things about God today. And this, some of these things have been whitewashed over the years. They want you to think that God is a loving God, that He would never do any harm. Well, listen, there is a reason why I'm doing this. <clears throat> there is a reason why... I want to instill a little bit of fear in you because there is a reason to be afraid. When you're not living the life you need to be living, there is a fear, a reason for fear knocking at the door waiting on you. When I begin to prepare this message, you know, Three quarters of the time when I'm preparing these messages, I don't understand what in the world it is God wants to say until I get about halfway done with it. And then it starts making sense. But God puts, puts it in my heart, and I'm, I, in my own natural mind, I begin to question Him. God, what, what do you want to say with that? That don't even make any sense. But see, it's not my wisdom that I need to be looking toward. So as I was preparing this thing, I began to think about the things, reasons why I ought to fear God. You know, from, from my standpoint, I've been a Christian many years. It's hard to kind of remember some of that because I hadn't been there in a while. But as I began to read through some Scripture and begin to think back and, and remember the state I've been in in my life many times, I remembered, oh yeah. I was this close to missing the mark. I was this close to being in hell. But this is how our relationship with God is. God is all-powerful. Y'all listen. God's all-powerful. You understand that you know, a lot of times we think in terms of our own physical strength. It doesn't, it doesn't even measure on the chart to how strong God is. When you start to talk about the limitless power of God, you understand He can just He can just speak you out of existence just like He spoke you into existence. You know, this is not something to toy with. And, you know, we, we use this... Uh, uh, promise of hell if you don't correct things sometimes to entice people to become Christians but the reason why is because at that point that's the only respect for God they may have is this fear the fear that they may die and spend eternity in hell eternal torment and punishment they don't understand what it is to love God yet they don't understand what it is yet to to know about God's blessings and His goodness and His mercy and His grace because all they have right now is that fear. So that's not a bad thing, you see, because that's their only... Sometimes that's the only opening you have is that fear. Y'all have heard me tell it before, but there's one time this guy that... And for lack of a better word, he was he was kind of retarded. You know, he was kind of a 
slow guy. He had mental problems or whatever, but but he understood enough to understand what it meant to be saved and was saved. And they were in this church service and things were kind of moving and there was an invitation and, and there was these people sitting on the back row and they didn't budge. Well, apparently God laid it on his heart to go ask them to come down. He, he went down and asked them, you know, would you like to come to the front and receive Jesus as your Savior? And they said, no, we're not interested. And he said, well, go to hell then. And turned around and walked off. And those people actually became saved because of that. You see, that fear thrown in their face, all of a sudden they realize this isn't a game. This is serious business. There is a reason to fear God. You know, you can listen to preachers on TV and begin to, to think this is all warm and fuzzy. God just wants me to to just do the best I can. And if I do everything just right, He's going he's gonna to bless me and everything's going to be okay. But that's not the way it is always. You see, sometimes God has other plans for your life. Sometimes when you don't do things just right, you're going to see some punishment. You're going to see chastisement. The Word says He only chastises those that He loves. There's a reason to fear God. He has your life in His hands. Now, you know, from one standpoint, there's no better place to have your life than in the hands of God because He's faithful. He's true. You can count on Him. But when things ain't going right in your life, when you choose by your own volition to say, no, God, I'm going to do it this way, whether you like it or not, you know what? That's not the place you want to be is in the hands of God. Because God, as the Word tells us, is a jealous God. That almost don't make sense, does it? Everything we've ever learned as a child is you shouldn't be jealous. Yet God is a jealous God. Now why is that? He's the only real one. He has a right to be jealous. He's, he's the only true God. He's perfect. He's just in every action. He has a reason to be jealous when you want to go serve something else. I'm going to share a few more scriptures with you today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Man, what, a, what in the world does that mean? Now listen, I'm trying to, I want to keep this stuff simple. For I want the kids to understand this stuff, y'all. So if you feel like I'm patronizing, you just... Just back off a minute. It's not for you if you understand it. What does it mean that God is a consuming fire? Have y'all ever been next to a hot fire? I mean a hot fire like a house burning or 
You know, I remember there was a house in Kennard that burned up here one time. And we drove past it on Highway 7, and the thing set off the road. And you know I could feel the heat through the wind, the window of the door. That, that is a consuming fire. That thing, it, it didn't matter at that point. It's so hot, you could throw just about anything on there and it's going to burn. Because it's so hot. You know, the Word also tells us that, that our works are going to be tried by fire. And whatever's left is, is the good works. Those things that can stand the test of time and the test of fire. So when you relate this to God, you begin to understand that when you come into God's presence, oh, y'all listen. When you come into the presence of God, if you've got a lot of sin, it's going to hurt a lot. Y'all say, what are, what are you talking about, preacher? Listen, I'm telling you, if you ever have come down to the front and you begin to, to pray and repent and seek God, sometimes it hurts a whole lot. And I don't mean physical pain. I mean spiritual pain. Because there's a whole lot that has to be consumed and got out of you. But when it's something that's in you, you just have a little bit, maybe you need to correct, you need to change, and I'm, all of us do. There's not so much of that. And before you know it, you're in that... You're in that, that place where there's just joy and glory. Amen. If y'all don't understand what I'm talking about, y'all just hang around. But fearing God, I don't, I'm, I'm to the point I don't want to come before Him with sin in my life. I know I have to sometimes. I have to come before Him and say, God, forgive me for that. But listen, I want to make sure it's out of there as quick as possible. Because I fear God. Yes, I respect Him. I have reverence for Him. This, the holy reverence, I, all of that. I can't hardly walk into the church with, and keep a hat on. I just Because of the respect I have for God and His house. But I fear Him too. I know when I don't live right that there's consequences for my actions and He is the one that's going to bring them about in my life. You know, I don't fear, fear Jerry Durrett. I don't fear... Well, I, ain't, well, I do fear my wife. but <laughs> I don't fear Earl Durrett. But, you know, if I were to do them wrong, yeah, I may feel bad about it, but I ain't worried about them coming and hurting me. But I fear God. And when I do something that just kind of flies in His face... And it's against everything that I know is right. I, I need to repent. I got to get myself right. The, the last thing I want him to do, and let me just stop that thought right there. I want y'all to think back to when you were a kid and you did something wrong. Was it better to go tell your parents, say, Mama, I broke that tree, or I broke a window, or I did this? Or was it better to just go hide and wait for them to find out? I promise you, you didn't want my daddy to find out. You better tell him. You see, there's a reason to fear God. Because when you come before Him and you say, Father, listen. I did 
something wrong. And you know, that timidity, that humbleness, that because you respect the power he has and the position he has. That's what it means to fear God. You know, I read through the Bible and you look over in Revelations and when Jesus appeared before John, what does it say he did? He went up and shook his hand, didn't he? No. He fell at his feet. Why? Because he had respect for him? No, it ain't because he had respect for him. It's because he feared him. He didn't understand even what he was seeing hardly. I mean, you see the words he used to describe some of that stuff. He couldn't hardly put it in words. He had fear for God. Yeah, there was love, there was respect, there was deep admiration. But that don't cause me to fall at somebody's feet as if I was dead. It's fear that does that. Fear is what brings you to that kind of place of of submission. Matthew 10 and 28 says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You wouldn't think there's so many reasons in the Bible to fear God, is there? There is. They're in there. I'm just naming a couple of them to you today. Why is it that a God that seems so fearful and violent can at the same time be loving, full of mercy, full of grace? Why is that? Anybody have an idea? I'm going to tell you why. It's because... Like I told you all ago, He's perfect. When you come into His presence, listen, it's all about perspective here. You see, He sits on the throne of perfection. He's looking at you from no fault. And He sees all your faults. You know, we think of each other in terms of ourselves. If I compare Shane over there to me, well, I can real quickly find things wrong with him, can't I? And the same thing, if he were to compare me to him, he's going to find things about me that ain't right. But from that standpoint, because we all have imperfections, sometimes we kind of justify, well, he's just human, you know. It's not that big a deal. But think about this from God's standpoint. When he sees you, that that's what stands out. Is all that stuff that's wrong. Why is that important? Well, you see, if, maybe some of you don't know this. If you look in the Old Testament, that's where you get the taste of that fearful, violent God. The one that's just, just going out ready to just knock somebody down because they looked at him wrong. But when you get over in the New Testament, what happens? You know, people try to use this to to say that the Bible is not accurate in this way. This is proof to them that it's not true. But you get in the New Testament and all that's gone for some reason. You don't see it anymore. You see this God that's loving, full of mercy and grace. Why? Because He's looking at you 
through a blinder now, ain't he? That shed blood of Jesus Christ, if it's covering you, he sees perfection. Oh, y'all listen, y'all think about that for a minute. That blood, that blood is the only thing that keeps me alive when I come into His presence. That blood is the only thing that can shield me and my imperfections from His perfect, just righteousness. Whatever word you want to use, it's the only thing that that can cover me. Otherwise, when He looks at me, what does He want to do? He wants to send me away. He wants to put me in hell where I deserve to be because of my unrighteousness. This wasn't something He put on me. I chose to do it on my own. I chose to you know, betray Him and serve other things. I did it myself. He didn't do it to me. So His only recourse then is to inflict punishment because He's perfect, He's true, He's just. There's a reason to fear God, people. But the only way you can get out of that fear is knowing that you are covered by the blood. You're protected. You're under His sheltering arms. When you get to that point, you can begin to grow into that respect and that love and that trust because you're not afraid anymore. Oh, I guarantee you, if Jesus were to walk in right now, I'd be the first one down. I don't want to ever come across that like, you know, like somehow I'm holier than thou and I'm able to stand on the same plane as Him. No. It's only by His shed blood that I'm able to even preach to y'all today. It's only by His grace and His mercy that I am where I am. So yeah, there's a reason to fear God. But you don't have to. You don't have to be fearful. He has provided a way out. 